Hi, this is Regilene Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Kara Rayner. Kara Rayner is an actress. Welcome to the show, Kara. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Gigi. This is this is an awesome honor for me. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you are from? Yes. So um, I am from Texas, originally East Texas, where I grew up. And uh, currently in Dallas, although I'm spending a lot of time in uh, kind of back and forth from Atlanta to Dallas, but mostly in Dallas lately. Um, and I am an actress, but also I uh, work for production companies and help with casting and producing and and that sort of a thing and a coordinator for them. Um, so I have, a, I have a lot of hats that I wear, uh, but uh, that's just kind of, but acting is my my passion, it's what I always wanted to do from the time I was little. So that's, um, and now I'm doing that. And so now I can say, I am an actress. I love it. Tell us more about that. What inspired you to become an actress? You know, um, I think for me, uh, it's something that I always wanted to do. And um, from the time, maybe even four, I was performing. I came from a, a family that, um, my father at least was a professional singer and did that. And um, so watching him sing, watching him um, do his performances was something that was always interesting to me. So I started following in his footsteps as well and singing. And um, so that's where it started. And I liked that, but I was also incredibly shy and um so it took me a while really to kind of get into that. I did singing as I grew up. I did a little bit of theater and that sort of thing. Um, but then I had kids, got married, had kids and uh, was mom and loved that. Uh, but then um, as they got a little bit older, teenage years, I started thinking, you know, I don't know that I'm really following those whispers that have been talking to me since I was six years old that I wanted to be an actress. And so um, just, took a step to, to dive into it at that point. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Now, tell us more about your experience working in NYC in an off-Broadway stage show. Yeah, so that, that was such an incredible opportunity and I'm so glad that I did it. I did not make a lot of money off of it <laughs> and that's okay. The experience was so valuable. Um, we, I had an opportunity, I was working with a theater group in Richardson, Texas and um, it was an original play by um, James Prince. And it's called, um, I have to look at my poster all of a sudden, Inferno, Fire at the Coconut Grove. It just vanished. It's my posters right there. And, um, but it was an original play that he wrote based on a, um, a famous, infamous really, fire that happened to um, a Boston nightclub back in 1942, yeah? 42. Again, I have to look at my poster. What's wrong? <laughs> um, but um, in 1942, it was a terrible, terrible tragedy. Um, and over 400, uh, around 400 people died. And uh, the there was over a thousand people in the club and they weren't even supposed to have that many, but it was in, in a time before there were fire laws. And so there weren't proper exits for people to get out of the club. And um, it started accidentally and so many people died, burned inside. In fact, uh, the front doors were very fancy, but they were those revolving doors. And it was before pedestrian doors had been installed on the sides 
of revolving doors. And so unfortunately, um, people got jammed in the doors and they, they couldn't even get it open. And so people just, so many people died. It was very, very tragic. So um, James Prince wrote this story because uh, one of his, his wife's, uh, a relative of his wife was someone who um, was in, was in the fire. And so that got him interested in, in the story. And so he wrote this story. It's really, really interesting. It's every character in the story is a true character um, a historical character, except for me, I was the only one that was a fictional character. My character kind of just blended the story together. I was a reporter going in to find out what happened and started really digging in to see what happened and who, you know, you, you know, they just weren't, um, at that time they didn't have those laws to follow. And then people were kind of, you know, slipping some money under the table. I'll ignore that over there. Just, yeah, go open your club. And so some things were ignored, unfortunately. And, um, so many people died. But uh, the experience of being in New York City uh, working off-Broadway was so fantastic. Um, just living there, um, we were there for a month and um, I loved it so much. Just the energy of the place was so exciting. I, I lived um, a couple of blocks away from the theater. So when I would go to the theater, I would walk there and um, even when it rained and because um, it wasn't that far and, but, and also, so that you know, I my wardrobe and my hair was always in, in the style of 1942, a very period. And um, so I would personally pin roll my hair every single day, every single day. It was very important to me that I did that. And it was a chore, let me tell you. So I would wake up in the morning and I would wash my hair or, or at least wet it and then start pin rolling it um, with uh, clips is what I did. I would roll it kind of on Oh, I don't know. Anything that I could find was a certain width or, you know, that I wanted around and I would roll it and then clip it and um, then let it dry naturally. And um, and then I would roll victory rolls in the front. So I walked to my theater with all these pin rolls all over my hair. <laughs> so I'm sure I had looked a sight, but um, it's pretty funny. But um, it was just a great experience. We had um, some critics that came to see us and always had great remarks. Um, we were very surprised by that because we were a little bit afraid being a group from Texas coming into New York thinking, what are you doing here? This is New York City. You know, um, only the best of the best are here. But we really had um, some good reviews and we we're very proud about that. Um, it was just it's just a good show. It's a good um, it's a good story. And um, so just the whole the whole experience was great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world, and um, can't wait to to do that again. I'm look, I, one day I'd like to to do that again. I love it. Now tell us more about your experience working in Miami on a TV pilot as one of the leads. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that was such a um, another one of my favorite things that I did. Um, I I, uh, I just happened to. This was I. I had an agent at the time in, in, in Texas, but um, I didn't have anyone helping me find roles anywhere else in the country. And um, I came across this um, casting notice for this particular character. And I thought, oh my gosh, that is me. She was this um, uh, snobby, kind of a trophy wife, kind of a character and um, very selfish, very self-centered. And I thought, oh my gosh, I would just eat this up. And um, so I sent in an audition and um, it just so happened they actually had been looking for this particular role for a year. I didn't know this until I arrived on set, but they um, 
I got a phone call like the next day after I sent it and they were like, um, where are you? And I was like, I'm in Dallas. Oh, can you, um, do you have, you know, they were starting trying to find out if I could be there and they not have to pay just an arm and a leg, um, for me to be there. But, um, they loved me so much. They paid for everything and had me come up there or over there. And, um, that was so, so much fun. Unfortunately, it didn't go anywhere, but we, we got the pilot done and it was, it was a, a female driven story. Um, the five main characters were all women of completely different, um, backgrounds and it was so much fun. Just, I, it was just a delight to get to work with them, but I, I love Miami so much. And actually it was on South beach is where I was staying. They spoiled me and I, I got to see the view of the beach every day from my apartment, but, um, I could, I could get used to that, that I didn't, that didn't make me mad at all to have to do that. Amazing. Now tell us more about why do you love narrative writing? Oh yeah, sure. Um, that was a complete surprise to me, a complete surprise, you know, um, and that is because when I was a child, um, I, I remember a teacher, I did a project and I was so proud of it. And I really, well, just to backtrack just a little bit and we'll go into this later, but um, I, I wasn't, um, I struggled in school. I really had a hard time um, with subjects, with really anything. I just didn't do well in school. And it was really, I had to work so hard and my sisters were so smart and they never had to work at all on anything. And I just had to constantly work at it or didn't and make bad grades. And, um, but I, I worked so hard on this project. I, I was very proud of it. And um, it was a story, I had to write the story and illustrate it as well. And um, again, and the teacher came to me and she turned everything back in and I look at it and it was a B minus. And I was just like, oh. I truly thought it was a, I thought this is going to be my moment. I'm shining in school finally. And uh, she was like, yeah, this is not really fifth grade. Let me mind you. Fifth grade. Let me tell you, um, this is not, you needed to develop the story a little more, you know, the, the drawings could be better. I'm, I'm 10 years old, you know, that shattered me. And I'm saying all this to say that I want people to be careful about what they say to little kids, because, that to me, that was like, oh, no, you can't write. You're not a writer. So I grew up with that and thinking I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. That's just not what I am. But it started. It happened one day. I um, The only reason why it happened was because I went to my husband and I went to an estate sale and um, the room was oh, the, the house was over 100 years old. The, the rooms were packed wall to wall with just stuff. And um, I came across this hand mirror, it was silver hand mirror, and I picked it up and people were walking behind me and I could see them as they walked behind me. And I, I thought, wow, I wish I could see inside this mirror and see what happened. What, what has this mirror seen? You know, I would love to know the life of this mirror and what it has watched, what stories has it seen unfold. And so that's what started um, my screenplay, Roarin' which if you flip it, actually that poster is right behind me. There it is. <laughs> Roaring. That's the name of the, the, the screenplay, the movie. And um, uh, so we named it that. And if you flip it around the other way, it spells mirror. So um, that's where that story came from was what would happen if someone found a mirror and what story would they see in that mirror? And that's, that's what the story was. And I, I started writing that and it just spilled out of me. It just absolutely, I couldn't even believe it. And 
and I would have um, friends and family read it to get some critique. And, you know, honestly, you know, am I terrible? You know, and is this ridiculous? And everyone loved the story. And um, so uh, we decided to, my husband said, why don't we just make our own film? And I was like, sure. <laughs> that was a whole other thing. I was like, what are we doing? We don't know what we're doing. Um, that was, that was a crazy journey, but, um, I think just coming up, you know, for writing and I, I do have other screenplays that I'm working on right now and writing is not easy for me at all because you, you have an idea, but you have to have the rest of the ideas to complete the story. And so, um, I have some really great stories that I think that are, are coming along, but, um, it's, it's a hard thing is, you know, writing is a hard thing. And I've, I've talked with a couple of writers and they all have different practices. Some are like, just sit down and write. Doesn't matter what it is. Just, just write, just hash it out. And you've written books. So you, you know, and, um, and then others are like, well, you know, you're, you get inspired whenever you get inspired, sit down right there and then start writing. But, um, but I really enjoyed writing that story and was delighted how easily it came to me. And, um, it was nominated, a, a, the screenplay was nominated for the Beverly, Beverly Hills Film Festival. And I was very proud about that. It was the very first one that I ever submitted to, so I couldn't believe it. And um, and our film has gotten into one film festival. I, the film took a really long time to make. And um, so my energy for that film began to, to wane a little bit over the years. And I moved on some other projects, so I didn't submit it to a lot of things. But it's still, you know, it's my first film. And... Um, you know, it's got a special place in my heart, but, uh, but I, I like writing and I want to keep doing that. I love it. Very powerful. And you mentioned something there. You say, write the book. Yes, it's very important. A lot of individuals believe that they have writer's block or something of that nature, and they really just have to step into it and write the book. So if you're listening to this today, as Kara mentioned, write the book. Very, very <laughs> powerful. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, tell us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life, Kara. Yeah, and I, um, so I think where I want to start with that is um, I always wanted to be an actress. And um, for me, part of the challenges were not feeling worthy enough to, to do that um, and, and not feeling talented enough to do that. And I don't, you know, and we all have though, you know, there's a, some of us have more than others, but um, I really had struggles with that, not feeling secure enough with myself that I would be, you know, smart enough to do it or talented enough or pretty enough, whatever, whatever it was, I wasn't enough for it. Um, and so I backed away from it a little bit, you know, as a kid, I was just like, yeah, I'll just do anything. And then I really backed away because I, um, part of the, part of those struggles was um, having a weight issue when I was a little girl and really picked on, like horribly bullied for it. And so that made me want to sink back into the shadows and not be seen and not do anything. I, I didn't want to raise my hand. I don't want to bring my attention to myself in any way at, at all possible. Um, and my father um, continued to um, encourage me to sing, which I loved doing and still do today. And um, so I did that and I was in the choir and, and I sang in, in ensemble groups and that sort of a thing. But I really wanted to be an actress. And, but I never really, I never told anyone because of the feelings of feeling, having that unworthiness, you know, inside of me. And, um, and I never shared that with my parents. You know, I never gave them the opportunity to help me with that. I struggled through that on my own. I never shared it with anyone. 
And um, so anyway, I started doing a little bit of that. My mom would say, oh, you, you know, you, I know you love theater. Why don't you go audition for that? So I did a little bit of that. And, um, and then I finished up college. I got married. I had a child before I got out of college. And I became a stay-at-home mom, which I love and never regretted ever doing that. Um, three boys, had three boys. And uh, so I was insane pretty much most of the time. And then by the time that my oldest was 16, um, I thought, gosh, you know, I really don't think I'm, or maybe he wasn't quite 16 yet. Let me back up. It wasn't quite there. Uh, I was like, I don't know if I'm doing everything that I wanted to do. So I just started to think about how I kind of want to jump back into. I didn't know how, I was afraid, I didn't know it would be enough or anything, but I wanted to try. And I had talked to my father about it. I said, I think I might want to try and get back into voiceover because I had done a little bit of that in college. I could do that from home, you know, it'd be easy and I can still take care of the kids. And he was very encouraging. Yeah, you should do that. That's what you should do. And unfortunately, he was killed not long after that um, by a drunk driver. And um, gosh, I didn't think I'd get teary about this, but um, that was 12, that was 12 years ago. And I hadn't started acting yet. And, um, and I tell this story because this is really a turning point of my life, I really believe. Um, and that is, you know, he was minding his own business. He was actually going to um, a rehearsal for singing. He was helping train another barbershop quartet for a competition competition that they had coming up. And um, out of all of that terrible tragedy and everything that had to unfold from that, um, I was struck with the thought, what if I was just minding my own business out on the street like he was, he was standing by the side of his car, unfortunately, and this car just came by. Um, what if I was standing on the side of the street and I've never ever tried to even go for my dream. You know, I've not even tried and I'm taken off this earth. That's when I changed. It took me a little while. Um, but out of those shadows, out of those ashes, I was like, you know what? I got to, I have to do this. I don't want to leave this earth without at least trying what I've always had on my heart. And, um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and so I decided to try and it was the hardest thing I'm in the world because I had no idea where to start. Not, uh, not at all, not a clue. I didn't know anyone that was an actor. Um, so I started with a friend at church who um, was a voiceover artist. I happened to know it. That was one of the scariest thing was to go up to him and ask him, can I talk to you? Because to me, he was like this gigantic feature. He's like, Oh, voiceover artist, you know, he was this huge guy. And um, I was afraid to ask him. And, Here's the thing. I, lo I love this about finding your purpose. And when you find an interest in something, people who also have the same interests love to talk to you about it. So once I started talking to him, I was like, oh, gosh, he's he's not. I'm OK. You know, I'm OK with who I am right now because he's enjoying talking about this. And his first thing he said to me was, you have to start um, voiceover classes. You have to start acting classes. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute, settle down. Um, I wasn't talking about acting, although inside of me, I was like, yes, that's what I want. I want to act so bad. And he was like, oh, yeah, you have a look, a certain look. You'd be great on camera. You, you need to think about this. And I was like, no, 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 I don't think I could do that. And then, uh, of course, I wanted to. So he said, you need to go. This is the acting coach I use. This is the voiceover coach I use. 
And then that was the second scariest thing was calling those two people and setting up classes with them. And, um, but, uh, you know, that was the beginning of going towards what I had always dreamed of. Um, it was really just the beginning. And, um, I began to listen to those whispers. Um, you know, people, you know, people call it listening to what God is telling you, um, listening to your calling, um, whatever it is that makes sense to you. Um, to me, it's those little, it's a, it's a little whisper of, yeah, you really want to do this. This, this is what you want and you need to go for it. Um, I believe that, you know, my acting is a gift that I was given and I, and I, have a right as a person, a human to go and, and go get the life that I deserve. And, um, because I don't believe that anyone is given a gift that, um, you know, they're not capable of showing you're given a gift from God. And you, if you're, if you're given that gift, then you are capable of receiving it. And, um, so that's one of the things that I like to talk to people about is um, finding that purpose, because one of the things that, you know, I always wanted that, that I wanted to be an actor, but I wouldn't admit it to anyone. I wouldn't admit it to myself. And I knew it. So when I tell when I talk to people about what is it you want to do, I you know, whatever the thing, it doesn't have to be acting, whatever you know you want to be. Um, I some people will say, I don't know. I don't know what I want to be. I don't believe them. <laughs> I really don't because I was one of those people that hid it inside of me and didn't tell anyone. It was, um, I'm just going to go find a job and I'm going to make some money. You know, I'm going to be a music teacher. That was one thing that I told myself for years. I was going to be a music teacher. Didn't want to be a music teacher at all. Um, so I think if you, I think everyone kind of knows a little bit deep down in their heart, what's in the bottom of your heart. That is your dream. I think you need to try and find that. And I know um, it may sound overwhelming for someone who doesn't even know how to start like it was for me. But one of my main passions is telling people that if you do have a dream, whatever it is, you can find it and you can go for it and you can achieve it. You're not going to be given even that thought without the capability of being able to achieve it. I think God gives you thoughts. He gives you whispers. He gives you ideas because that's what you are meant to do. And, and you wouldn't have them otherwise. So if you want to be a doctor or anything, I can't be a doctor because I have no money to go to college. I don't, I no excuses, no excuses. You can find a way to make your dream happen because that's what I did. And believe me, it was not easy. I was terrified, but I decided to be terrified and do it anyway. Amen. Now you mentioned God quite often. How important is your relationship with God to you? You know, um, I have, I've grown up, um, a Christian, um, and I definitely am a believer. Um, I would say for me, even more so now in my, my older years, um, I lean a little more heavily on prayer, but sometimes prayer for me can be different things. Sometimes I just need to have someone to listen to me, you know, and I, for me, that is prayer. I'm not there to ask for a lot of things. Um, unless it's guidance or, you know, show me where I need to go. But um, sometimes prayer for me is just walking and looking and nature being in nature to me is prayer because I feel like we're all apart. We're all, you know, we're all on this earth. Um, and I feel like we're all one 
and we're with, you know, we're one with God and, and nature is one with God. Um, I just, I feel very strongly that, um, you know, we're all in this together. Um, and sometimes we might need to, to lean a little more, uh, on prayer, but it's important to lean on each other as well and be there for each other. Um, so I find that, you know, my prayer can also be my creations. Um, I think, you know, acting to me sometimes can be prayer because it's, it's cleansing for me. It's, it's an energy for me. Um, and I think whatever feeds that energy to set you on your purpose, um, is, is important. Um, so whether it be through prayer or through, uh, you know, nature, um, I, I do find time to, um, meditate or, or pray or gratitude is another thing that's important to me, which ties back to God. I have to be grateful for, and that's something that I have started doing. I get up very early in the morning and my husband's like, why are you getting up so early? But I, I want to journal. I want to write down what I'm grateful for because that has transformed me greatly. Um, to understand that I have to be grateful for my heart. I have to be grateful for my lungs. I'm grateful for my legs, you know, just anything. Um, I want to be grateful for that because those are gifts that were given to me. That's empowering me to, to go towards my purpose and, um, and my alignment, you know, I feel like I'm aligned now finally with the energy and the flow of where I'm supposed to be. I love it. Now let's circle back for a moment. You talk about okay. overcoming weight challenges in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you know today, what would you go back and tell Kara in regards to, to weight? And for the audience that's listening today that's struggling with their own weight challenges, what would you tell them? Wow, <laughs> that is such a good question, Gigi. Um, and it makes me a little teary because... Um, you know, that, that little girl <laughs> had a lot of struggles with that. And, um, I, that is so good. I think, I think what it is, is you have to discover that you, or you have to know that you are enough, no matter what you look like, no matter what situation you are, no matter you know how much money you have, you are enough just the way that you are. And even now today, listen, I would like to lose 20 pounds. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I really would. And it's just been a, it's been a struggle my whole life. And I'm okay with that now. I might, there may be days where I'm like, I wish my jeans fit a little bit better, but I still say to myself, I'm okay. I'm enough. It doesn't matter if my jeans don't fit the way that I wanted them to fit. I think just learning that you're enough. And this is something that has not come easily for me. I think this, this has really come over the last couple of years. And um, I have a really good friend. Um, oh, she's so wonderful. You need to have her on her show, on your show. Uh, her name is Diane and she's a life coach. And um, one of the, when she and I were talking one time, she said something to me, and this is so crazy because I didn't know this. Um, she said, in, our, in the middle of our conversation, well, don't you love yourself? And um, what? <laughs> She's like, don't you love yourself? And I, I was like, I don't, I don't understand that question because I know, I know, I don't understand. You know, I, I was not enough to even my, you know, I couldn't even be enough 
to love myself. Right. And um, so that was one of my turning points to begin to learn how to love myself because she started teaching me about what that really looks like. Because as a child uh, uh, or any, you know, anyone can have this. I was going to say as a child, I started hearing those voices in my head, that little voice that would say, oh, look at you. You're not enough. Look at you. You don't. You're not small enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not all those little voices that would come into your head, you know, and tell you those things. And that is one of the first things that I would tell someone who is struggling or that little girl or that little boy. Um, those voices are normal, but they're not real. They're not you. They are stories that have developed that are telling you um, that very thing, that you're not enough, that you're not, you're not okay the way that you are. And I think learning that you're okay the way that you are, because first of all, you won a race just getting here <laughs> to begin with. You won the biggest race of all to just be born. And um, that's a miracle. That's a blessing that is enough right there. And then as you grow, you begin to figure out what it is that lights you on fire. You know, what is your purpose? And you start figuring that out. So I think that's that's what I would wanna tell. Um, I, I've said a thousand things, but that's in a nutshell what I would like to tell that um, young child that you are enough the way that you are. And um, and I know those are, you know, just, just even saying those words, um, I don't know that that is enough to make someone understand it because, but you are, you truly are. And um, that's what I've taught myself over these past many years now that um, I'm okay the way that I am because I was made this way. God made me this way and this is the way I'm supposed to be. Very powerful. You're such an inspirational speaker. You are enough. Very powerful. I love it. Now, Kara, what is the why that keeps you going? What is the why, you said? Yes, your why that keeps you going. Um, such good questions. Ah, oh, the why that keeps me going. Uh, really, for me, I think the why is I really just kind of started this. I just started acting 10 years ago. I just started discovering these things about myself 10 years ago and slowly over these past 10 years. And I just gotten started, you know, so my why is I've just gotten started. Um, and acting for 10 years might sound like a lot to someone who hasn't started acting yet or wants to, but, uh, you know, really that's relatively new to acting because there's so much to learn. And it, um, you know, it's hard to get into the business. There's a lot of competition out there. There's a lot of actors. There's so many actors. It's saturated with actors who want to become famous, who want to make it big. Um, my why is because I want to continue to work in this element. I, I love creating. I love storytelling. I want to, um, of course, I want to have bigger roles that um, allow me. And really, it's not that I, I want to be known so much is I want roles that challenge me and that open the hearts of people whether my character is a terrible character or a good, kind, compassionate character, I, I want to tell stories that help people um, question what they're doing in their life, maybe question who they are, maybe question um, relationships that they have that aren't healthy. Um, you know, whatever it is, I want to be able to be a storyteller for someone and have, and, um, 
tell a story that that strikes their heart that makes them think and hopefully you know open their hearts to more people and just loving more people obviously i i love any kind of a not any kind of movie but i love a lot of movies i love thrillers other things that you know not necessarily has to be a life-changing movie but um that is part of the why is that i want to tell a story to change people's hearts absolutely amazing now was there a time in your life journey where you experienced an aha moment Well, one of them would have been uh, Diane asking me, do you love yourself? That was the first one because <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know you could love yourself. Um, another aha. Uh, oh, uh, as far as acting goes, I wow, I have learned so much over these 10 years. But um, so great to get to the point if, you know, anyone you're in your audience is wanting to be an actor or is an actor, they will understand. Um, the aha is as an actor, you have to go out on all these auditions, right? In order to get picked for a role, typically. Um, when I first started auditioning, I remember I, I was so nervous anyway to even do it, but um, I would wait, I'd go home and wait for the email or wait for the call. Okay, I'm probably gonna get this because I think I did a really great job. And then nothing, crickets, nothing. You know, <laughs> there's nothing. There's not an email saying, thank you so much for your time, uh, but no. There's not even that, you know, it's just, um, okay, I guess it's been four weeks and I haven't heard anything. So I, I guess I'll go audition for something else now. I don't know. And the thing is taking that personally was the aha because I learned to not take it personally. Um, you learn as an actor, um, you don't know what the circumstances are behind any of that. And then you just start auditioning you're like, okay, all right, next one, next, next, next. And then if they happen to call, awesome, I see it on the cake that they want you. That's fantastic. But the aha is, um, oh, I don't have to take it personally that they didn't call me. I don't have to take it personally that they didn't um, pick me for this role because it's it's very, you know, they're very particular about what they want most of the time. And um, they're looking for, it may not just be that you have to have blonde hair and green eyes. It may be that you also, um, I don't know, just the, the the way that you audition, or maybe they want someone who's shorter, maybe they want someone who's fatter, maybe they, uh, you know, your skin tone is, has to be even whiter than what I am. You know, I don't know. Um, it, it's, it, you can't take it personally. I remember an acting coach also telling me one time, you may walk in and you may look like the director's ex-wife and they're like, nope, not taking that person, you know? So you can't take it personally. You don't know what's happening. And um, on top of that, sometimes projects, just don't ever happen. And um, so you don't know what it is. And so you can't take it personally and you just got to keep on moving. Fantastic. I'm trying. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Now, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness, Kara? Oh, great. Walking with purpose and living with happiness. Um, I think, first of all, Finding that purpose is something that um, I'm passionate about. Um, and I may have kind of touched on it a little bit here and there. And it's just just finding it and, and knowing what it is. And I know sometimes finding that and knowing that may be difficult or maybe it's not. <laughs> maybe it's easy. But um, and also, I think purposes can change. So I think people need to be aware that just because you feel like your purpose is to be a teacher, it may transform into something else later on down the line. You know, there's, there may be more 
So I think being happy, um, or, you know, finding your purpose will make you happy. Um, but you also have to be aware that you may be getting some messages. You may be hearing there's more, maybe I'm supposed to be doing something else, not just a teacher. Maybe I need to be a motivational speaker now. Um, listening to, so I think walking with purpose is listening, always listening to what you're being told from God or whoever you think it's from listening for those whispers of direction. Um, because just as a sailboat, you know, goes through the sea, it's going to change. The wind is going to change direction and take you down a different path. So I think walking with purpose means also listening, um, which will inevitable inevitably create happiness in your life because you're following, um, the direction that you're supposed to be going and aligning with what it is that is true for you. I think happiness is being true to yourself. It's being authentic to who you are. Um, and, and I say this because I don't feel like I was authentic years and years and years ago. Uh, you know, I didn't really, I didn't want to admit who I really wanted to be um, or what I wanted to be. Be truthful with yourself. If you're if you're really really wanting to be um, an actor, say it. Speak it into being. Start. Take a step. You know, go towards that. Um, if you don't know what that is, contact me. I will tell you. <laughs> it's as easy as uh, reading a book, you know, or uh, watching a movie, getting inspired by some fabulous actress um, or actor, and um, it's taking the step that step will take you to the next step and that step will take you to the next step. And, and you know that you are on purpose because it's lighting you on fire. You know, you, you are feeling, if you're feeling like um, whatever it is, your job that you're doing and you're feeling like, Oh, I got to get up again. It's the alarm just went off and I have to go to the job and I don't want to, you're probably not in purpose and you're definitely not happy. So you need to find the thing um, that lights you up that brings you energy that makes you like, Oh, I get to get out of bed. Now I get to go do this and that. And, um, so I think walking with purpose is, is finding it, listening, um, and being authentic about it, being honest about it, being honest with yourself about it, really listen to yourself because that's important. You're, you know, again, you are given those whispers. You're given those thoughts. You're given those ideas for a reason. They're in your brain because you are special. You have a purpose. You're here to accomplish something, whether it's, you know, feeding the poor or being a motivational speaker or, you know, working with the elderly, whatever that is, find that. And I think um, I think when you find your purpose, keep listening for the next purpose because it could change. Um, I think you're going to be walking in happiness as well. I love it. Kara, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You are so welcome. I have loved it. As you can tell, I love talking about this and I just rattle on and rattle on, but it really is um, important. And um, I hope people will, uh, you know, feel good about trying to find their purpose if they haven't already. And if they are in what they think is their purpose and they're thinking, no, you know what, maybe it is, maybe, maybe she's right. Maybe it is taking a different direction and I need to follow that. So um, just keep listening. That's, that's all you got to do. Listen. Keep listening. I love it. Now, where can the audience find you, Kara? Um, so I have on, on IMDb, of course, uh, I have a profile there, which which shows the projects that I've been on or projects that are coming up. And um, 
then on Instagram as well, I'm on, I'm not on there a lot. I try really hard. I know how important social media is to anyone in a business, honestly. Um, but I'm, I struggle with that. So I have to do better at that, but I do post from time to time, uh, especially if I have a project coming up or something that's really heavy on my heart. I think the last thing I posted was just something that I just felt like I had to get off my chest and, and speak about. And it's, it's usually around this type of subject, you know, finding your energy, finding your light. And, um, so, so Instagram, IMDb, um, also Facebook, you know, I'm, I'm on all the, all of them except for Twitter. I got off of Twitter cause it was just too toxic for my brain. And, um, but those, yeah, those are the places uh, that you can find me. Amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Kara at imdb.me backslash Kara Rayner. And Kara, again, thank you for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. You have a blessed you day. You are most welcome. I have enjoyed it so much. Thank you.